0: Welcome to the Rural Realities Podcast, presented by the Wisconsin Farm Center Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection. Joining us today is John Shutsky, a faculty member in the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences at UW-Madison. As an ag safety and health specialist, John helps the farm community deal with some of the unique health issues that farmers have to go through on a daily basis, including managing farm stress. And as we hear from John, it's something he credits back to when he was a farm kid. As an agricultural
1: safety and health specialist, I really always think back almost on a daily basis to my upbringing. I'm almost 60 years old now, but I still consider myself to be a farm kid and watching some of the struggles that my parents and family went through back in the early 1980s with the farm crisis back then, I really hearken back to those experiences with all of the work I do. The other thing I wanna just mention to you, I, in my professor role at the university, I teach a class in design for agricultural engineers. So I help our young students design tractors and farm machines and um, irrigation systems and really any type of technology that needs engineering work in the agricultural field. So so you're gonna hear me talk about a lot of different analogies. I think about farm stress I think about our brain and body working together like a machine and some of those kinds of things. So I'm just going to ask you up front to excuse some of my analogies. I want to start out, though, by by talking a little bit about what I want to cover. I want to talk about what stress is, how we find ourselves in this really nasty, negative, toxic cycle of chronic stress, which can be really hard to break and i'm going to talk about like what what are what are the throttles that fuel the stress response and then i also want to talk about like okay what are the tools in the toolbox so that if i want to throttle down or or remove some of the fuel what are the tools i need to have in my toolbox to be able to do that effectively and just like going out and doing any type of repair on a piece of farm machinery You'd never dream of heading out to the field to do a major repair and just bringing one tool, you know, just bringing the 916s box and wrench. You're going to need more than that. And stress is the same way. Breaking this chronic stress cycle takes a whole collection of tools in your toolbox. So today I'm going to talk about some of those that are the most important. But let me let me start out and talk about our body as a machine. And let me talk about why we experience stress. And I want to take you back 100,000 years ago and say that our bodies are lucky that we evolved the way that we did. If you go back 100,000 years ago to the days of cavemen and cavewomen, if a caveman was out hunting and encountered a a saber-toothed tiger... It's a really good thing that they had a hyperactive stress response. The brain and body, the caveman's brain and body would work together. Blood pressure would go up. The heart would beat faster. That person's uh, pupils would dilate and get bigger to let in as much light and information as possible. And all of these reactions that the brain and body had working together were used to let release some fuel and the fuel were the hormones of adrenaline and cortisol. So again, we know adrenaline makes heart rate go up, blood pressure goes up, cortisol and adrenaline working together. We have an increase in blood sugar. Lots of different things happen. Our digestive system slows way down so that we can conserve our energy to either fight off the threat or in many cases to run away. That takes a lot of energy. And um, so it's a good thing that human beings evolved to have the stress. The the evolution of the stress response has helped human beings to be very adaptable to different environments, to different parts of the planet. And again, it's a good thing that we have the stress response. But what about on a farm? Is a farmer anything like a caveman? Well, no, obviously the threats are super different now. But if you're a modern day farmer, you guys all know the threats that you're facing. You may get a phone call from a lender with really bad news because of the downturn in the farm economy. You may get, you know, a message on your smartphone. There's been somebody out in the field, a a family member or an employee who's been badly hurt. You may be faced with a natural disaster, a windstorm, a tornado, a flood, a fire. Um, All of these things serve to generate the same type of response. Everything kicking into gear, the throttle being pulled down, you've got the adrenaline and the cortisol that's released to help you to fight off or run away from the threat. So the good thing is with normal situations and normal circumstances, That stress response kicks in, we, in the short term, we solve the problem, we deal with the threat, and then it's done. And then eventually, over the course of hours, or in some cases, days, or even weeks, our brain and body work together to throttle back the fuel, and we go back to some sense of normal, and some sense of equilibrium. So if you could think of that almost like a thermostat, in fact, our brain has little mechanisms called receptors that act as thermostats to throttle back or to to dial back the thermostat to, to remove the stress and remove these chemicals from our body. But what happens is if we're dealing with these kinds of responses because of the current situation in farming, and we're dealing with those. Day after day, week after week, year after year, eventually that stress thermostat can stop working, or at least it stops working as effectively as it once did. So now we get all stressed out, um, but then instead of having our problems go back to baseline, we're now operating um, on a daily basis, day after day, with a lot of this stress fuel, a lot of these hormones still circulating. And we end up then, in some cases, making bad decisions. We know that the stress hormones working together, especially cortisol, affects the front part of the brain that is responsible for really good, smart decision-making. So now it's numbed. The frontal part of the brain is numbed. We're not making good decisions, or we might not be sleeping really well, which is going to further fuel this cycle. Or we may end up having um, negative or bad communications with our spouse or a, a parent or another loved one or family member, or it might even be somebody in our community. We have just a really bad, toxic conversation, and these different things that happen because these stress hormones are circulating, they just create further stress, and sometimes we find ourselves in like a negative, uh, a vicious toxic cycle and that's when we talk about the issue of chronic stress and if this goes on for a while or we have frequent bouts where we find ourselves in this vicious cycle it can become really tough to break out of the cycle and that's when we begin to get concerned because chronic stress can be very damaging both um, physically as well as mentally to our health and the longer this goes on the more frequently these cycles occur The harder it can be to throttle down that fuel, and in worst case situations, this chronic stress can further complicate um, depression, uh, anxiety, and um, ultimately leading to feelings of hopelessness and despair and people feeling like they just don't have a pathway forward. And that's when we begin to worry about suicide and suicide risk. So hopefully that helps you to to understand like this vicious cycle we sometimes find ourselves in. And it's really difficult. Uh, I I think of it again, going back to my analogies of having grown up on a farm, uh, we've got this this throttle lever turned up. I think of my dad's old John Deere 4020, the first tractor I ever really learned to drive, um, at least during like work time. And my dad's 4020 had a throttle lever. That confused me a little bit. I understood the concept of a gas pedal because I had learned to drive as pickup when I was quite little. But the 4020 is like, okay, the throttle lever controls the fuel. In that case, pushing the throttle lever up, that's gonna take away the fuel from the engine. That's also a a way to shut the engine off or or again, to, to change the RPMs of the engine. Stress is a little bit different. Stress, we talked about multiple tools, I also talk about the throttle analogy, stress or or defueling, turning down the fuel of the stress response. It's not just one throttle lever. It takes a collection of levers or like I talked about, it takes a collection of tools in your toolbox. And so let's talk about what some of those tools are. And some of this is going to sound really simplistic, but again, the idea is if we can take... Multiple or or more than one of these tools, and use them use them purposely and effectively, and by understanding this the stress response, it is possible to break this chronic stress cycle. Assuming that you're healthy, uh, assuming that you're not dealing with some types of underlying conditions. So I'm just going to say one thing. So that's important. Both mental and physical health is really important as a throttle. So one of the things I would suggest is getting a physical, getting a routine checkup. I go out and I speak to farmers, hundreds or thousands of farmers a year, and I ask people, when's the last time you saw your family doctor or your primary healthcare professional for just a basic check-in, you know, getting your, your blood chemistry, you know, your lipids and getting a blood workup, uh, just a real basic physical. And oftentimes I'll see like five years and maybe half the hands will go up seven years, uh, maybe two thirds. And some people haven't seen their family doctor for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. So all the things I'm talking about, assume some type of baseline of health and and the way to start that the first tool in your toolbox really does need to be to make sure that you're getting regular high quality primary health care either from a physician or the other primary practitioner in your local clinic or wherever it is that you get your health care another tool in the toolbox related to that um, supporting your health by making sure that your machine has the right fuel. And when I say your machine, I'm talking about your brain working together with your body. It takes a lot of energy to deal effectively with stress and your body is is like a machine. We talk about eating right, that means eating breakfast, eating at least 3 meals a day. You know, some people talk about eating smaller meals but eating periodically throughout the day. Most people know what good eating is versus bad eating, but I guess some things I can tell you, we talk about getting adequate intake of fruits and vegetables. I think we talk, what, five servings a day, making sure to get lean protein. It could be meat. It could be cheeses. It could be beans. There's multiple forms of protein, but some good balance. Kind of watching out for the carbs instead of eating a lot of sugar-loaded foods and products, maybe thinking about whole grains as as an example of balancing things out. Again, most of us know what healthy eating is and also what it isn't. I've been out in the past talking with people in the ag community. I'll think about one time in particular, I was working over in Minnesota and I had a group of of, of pesticide applicators, commercial pesticide applicators, largely herbicides that they would spray from the month of April, early planting season, through June or even the first part of July. And these are these are men and women who were working 90 to 100 hours a week. And so I'm talking about the importance of fueling your machine that you'd never dream of going out in an expensive spray rig or a self-propelled forage chopper and putting really low-grade, crummy-quality fuel, and yet that's what we do to our to our bodies. And so I'm doing this presentation, and one of the individuals there said, oh, you need to go over and check out Steve's lunchbox. So I looked over. Steve, underneath his chair, he has a giant, like, a toolbox, like a plastic, like a Home Depot toolbox. And I walk over. Steve pulls his toolbox out very proudly, sets it up on the table. It was his lunchbox. It was loaded, with about five or six pounds of Snickers bars and, and Mountain Dew. The Snickers bars were neatly aligned in the toolbox or the lunchbox. It looked like I was opening up a Fort Knox of candy bars and cans of soda. So that's, you know, most of us know what eating right means and and the opposite. But just making sure you're getting balance. Um, and and eating frequently throughout the day. And we know that healthy people also eat breakfast. Related to that is to make sure you stay hydrated. Most of us do not get enough fluid during the course of the day, or we may be taking in the wrong, wrong types of fluid. Sugary sodas, a lot of caffeine. Caffeine in the long term is actually going to probably not hydrate you as well as water, Um, Some people prefer sport drinks, but water is always the best. It can have a little flavor. You can mix in some, you know, powdered flavoring of some sort, but making sure you're getting adequate hydration during the course of a day. It depends on the temperature, the humidity, your height, weight, gender. Uh, People have different water needs throughout the day. Instead of giving you a number of ounces that I would recommend... I would go by looking at the color of your urine. When you stop and you use the bathroom, look at the color of your urine. If it is anything but a clear color, obviously if it's dark, whether it's yellow or brown, that definitely means you're not getting enough fluid. But if it's anything other than clear, you probably could stand to hydrate a little bit further. The idea is most of us don't get enough fluid, but you need hydration for your brain and your body to be able to work together effectively. Here's another tool in your toolbox, sleep. I know from talking to so many farmers that, and, and people like me included, uh, middle-aged men, getting little sleep or getting by on as little sleep as possible is often a badge of honor for some of us. I don't quite understand that because when we had like little children, like, a big badge of honor was teaching your little kid how to sleep really well, and yet as we get older, it becomes a badge of honor in the opposite way. We all need adequate sleep. Most healthy individuals need about seven or eight hours of sleep per night. We often say, well, as we get older, we need less sleep. Oh, the fact is, actually, we need the same amount of sleep as we get older. We may actually need even a little bit more, but it's a little bit harder to sleep as you get older. That's that's a fact. Um, So I talk about seven to eight hours of sleep. Where we really get concerned is if people are chronically getting fewer, for most people, fewer than six hours of sleep per night. Um, That's when we begin to get a little bit concerned about stress, about health. Some keys to doing that. Um, One thing is nighttime routine. I can't emphasize enough having a nighttime routine, getting to bed at roughly the same time every night, avoiding stimulation right before you go to bed. What is stimulation? For me, it is surfing the web on my iPad with the bright light and in some cases disturbing. You know, I might be looking at the news or watch a disturbing movie um, or a sports game that's got me riled up. But trying to avoid stimulation, the bright light especially stimulates the part of the brain that keeps us awake and keeps us alert and watchful. And even though you might feel like you're tired and wanting to go to sleep, your brain, because of that extra light, is going to try to stay awake as much as possible. Related to that, and again, this is a new thing in the last, what, five to 10 years. Keep your phone in a different room. If you're like me, oftentimes we wake up Two o'clock in the morning, for me, it's like 3, 3.20 in the morning. I wake up in the middle of the night. I fight that urge to get up and I try to get back to sleep. The worst thing you can do is to check your phone. It's pitch dark in your bedroom and you check your phone. You know, you want to look at the text messages and your email. You want to just check it before you go back to sleep. And the next thing you know, because of that bright light, you're wide awake. So I now make it a practice to keep my phone in a different room. If I really want to check it, I can. But it helps you to resist that temptation of rolling over in bed, checking your phone, and then having difficulty in getting back to sleep. Related to that with sleep, watch your caffeine For me, if I drink anything that's caffeinated after about noon or maybe 1 o'clock in the afternoon, I have difficulty getting to sleep or I might go to sleep but then wake up frequently during the night. Most health professionals say to avoid caffeine typically in the 4 to 5 hours before bedtime. Napping. Is napping okay? Naps are actually a good thing for most healthy individuals. Typically, we want to see naps last between 10 and maybe 50 or 60 minutes. If you go beyond an hour of nap time, it's going to be a little more difficult to fall asleep or to stay asleep at night. And then the other thing is to try to avoid napping after, say, 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. But our brains, the idea here is our brains need rest. Our brain needs quality sleep And that's also really crucial for good decision-making. Okay, so another tool in your toolbox. Find ways to regain some sense of control. When things are really complicated, when conditions in farming and agriculture are not the best, it's easy to feel out of control. And yet there are a lot of things you can do to maintain some semblance of control. One of the things I recommend to people is to sit down at least once a week, preferably twice, give yourself an hour, maybe an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes, and do some planning. Write those plans down on a piece of paper. Uh, That physical activity of writing things down on paper actually helps to cement in your brain a sense of control What are some activities you want to really make sure you pay attention to in the course of the week? If you've got young children, in some cases, you might want to pencil in your school activities, things connected to your involvement with church, with your community. And then maybe what are one or two or three really tangible, concrete things that you want to get accomplished on the farm, or at least a project that you want to get started. But again, the idea is to help cement that sense of control because that helps to diminish those negative feelings that you don't have control, that there's nothing you can do to make a difference, when in fact there are some things you can accomplish if you write those down. Related to that is as you're thinking about things you want to get done is to make sure you reach out and get help. You need to find ways to resist the temptation to do the opposite. So often what happens is when we get stressed, we think, okay, now's the time I want to disconnect from other people. I'm just going to work harder. I'm going to work more hours. I'm going to put my nose to the grindstone. And that's when people end up getting in trouble. They end up getting hurt. They end up with bad health and they end up disconnecting from those people in the community or in their families who they care about the most. It's also the time when they can probably most use the help. So reaching out to experts and people who may have access to information, ideas, to be able to serve as a sounding board. And again, I want to go back and just reemphasize, this is also a good time to reach out and maybe schedule an appointment with your family practice doc or whoever it is. That provides you with healthcare and make that appointment to make sure you get in on a timely fashion and get checked out. Another tool in your toolbox find some quiet time for reflection. We oftentimes dwell on the negative, and yet, if you spend just a few minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, thinking about and expressing or writing down all of the good, positive things you have going in your life. Some people talk about this as the practice of mindfulness, reflecting on the good in life. Some people do this while they're meditating or exercising. I think a lot of farmers do find ways to exercise effectively. Again, if your health professional encourages it, in all cases, make sure you get enough exercise. Meditation, ah, I get some people sometimes who shake their head at me a little bit, say, "Ah, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to download an app or or go to a meditation class. And yet those are the same people who I often ask the question, what is your favorite thing to do over the course of a calendar year? And so often I hear people say, I love deer hunting. I love to sit in a tree stand in the month of November, and it's quiet, and all I can hear is the snowfall and the wind blow, and sometimes I'll see a deer, sometimes I won't but I love it. And I come out of the tree stand a new person. And my point to them is that's exactly what you're doing. You're taking that quiet time. You're reflecting, you're thinking, you're practicing mindfulness, you're appreciating the good things in your life. And from a health and stress management perspective, it's important we find purposeful ways to do that on a daily basis. Another way to think about that is to maybe go for a walk every day. Get a little bit of light exercise on a daily basis. Going on the 20-minute walk, you know, maybe it's three times a week with your family, with your spouse, with another person. Getting away from work for just 20 minutes can make all the difference in the world. And you might want to include that when you're doing that pre-planning at the beginning of the week. The key on all of this when we talk about these tools in your toolbox is that you really do need to put several of these into practice, and you do need to take positive action and get started. Um, Again, with any project, whether it's a major project or a minor project, one of the first things you're going to need to do is to find that toolbox and pull those tools out that you think you're going to need and get the project started. So hopefully these are some ideas to get you started. Um, It's important to be purposeful, to be patient with yourself and with other people, and even be kind to yourself. Nobody has a string of perfect days, but I do know from experience that if you use a number of these tools and you do so with the help of others, your your family, your friends, your doctor, other people in agriculture with expertise, with people in your community, things will get better. So I hope that that's helpful. Some information, a lot of information about tools and throttles and, and stress fuel. But the important thing is you can break the chronic stress cycle. And with these tools, hopefully this will make a difference. So best wishes. Thank you for listening. Be healthy and stay safe.
0: Our thanks to John Shutsky, a faculty member in the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences at UW-Madison. The Wisconsin Farm Center with the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection provides an array of different services to farmers and farm families across Wisconsin, including farm mediation, financial planning, herd-based diagnostics, the counseling voucher program, and much more. To learn more, you can call the Wisconsin Farm Center toll-free at 1-800-942-2474 or email them farmcenter@wisconsin.gov. at wisconsin.gov. Also, their website address is datcp.wi.gov. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Rural Realities Podcast.